When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we have inside the studio Trey Blocker. Trey Blocker is a great friend of mine and even a bigger friend to the Second Amendment. Trey is running for Texas Agricultural Commissioner. Also, we have inside the studio Mike Sweeney, and he's running for Congress, District 31. Just remember, March 6, 2018, that is Election Day. That is the day we need to get out and let your voice be heard. We need to get rid of weak rhino Republicans that are not strong on the Second Amendment. This is primary, folks. This is the primary season. This, this is the time right now. It's all about survival of the fittest. So if your stance is weak when it comes to Second Amendment, we want you gone. Now, even as the nation was grieving the terrible loss of life in Parkland, Florida, gun control advocates were doing what they do best, exploiting tragedy to the advance, just to advance their political agenda. Now, gun control activists are pushing a message that you are to blame for the criminal violence that took place last month. Now, they're attempting to capitalize on this tragedy to convince members of Congress to vote for their gun control wish list. That's what it is. Such as H.R. 5087, the assault weapons ban of 2018. Now, later in the hour, we're going to talk with um, Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield, and he's going to talk to us about H.R. 5087 and a couple other things. All right, so, but Trey Blocker says he wants to restore honesty and integrity and fiscal responsibility to the Department of Agriculture. He wants to cut the bureaucracy by eliminating programs and unrelated agriculture that are unrelated to agriculture. And he also wants to lower those fees for farmers, ranchers, and other small businesses that have skyrocketed under the current administration. So let me welcome Trey Blocker to come and talk. Trey, welcome to come and talk, sir. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. So tell people about you, you know, and, and why do you decide to run for Texas AG? Well, there are a couple main reasons. One, I am a sixth generation Texan. My forefathers came here in the mid 1800s and were among some of the most well-respected cattlemen of their day. I always like telling the story of my great, great uncle who drove the first herd of cattle 
onto the XIT Ranch and actually gave the ranch its name. So it's a heritage that I'm extremely proud of, and I believe that agriculture in rural Texas deserve to be preserved, protected, and promoted. That's one of the reasons. Another reason I'm running is because I do believe that we need to restore honesty, integrity, and fiscal responsibility to the Department of Agriculture. We currently have a commissioner who, since he was elected, has been embroiled in ethical controversies. Mm. Uh, Shortly after being elected, he used state resources, taxpayer dollars, to go to Oklahoma to get a Jesus shot. What? Yes, a Jesus shot. And then he used state resources, taxpayer dollars, to go to Mississippi to compete in a rodeo. He was investigated by the Texas Rangers. He was investigated by the Travis County DA. And he's been found guilty by the Texas Ethics Commission uh, for numerous trans- ethical transgressions from 2007 to just last year. And I believe that Texas voters deserve better, and it's not too much to ask for our elected officials to behave ethically. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. So, you know, Trey, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk Let's talk guns. So, what you know, what's your thought about all this, this talk around the country uh, of an assault weapons ban, you know, because of this shooting in, in Florida? Well, it's nonsense. And Michael, as you know, back in 1999, I founded the Civil Liberties Defense Foundation to defend the Second Amendment against 31 liberal mayors across the country who were trying to put the gun manufacturers out of business. So you know where I stand on the Second Amendment. But it's not not a surprise to any of us that the left, that these liberals are shamelessly trying to capitalize on tragedy to accomplish their political agenda to do away with the Second Amendment. And they'll tell you it's because every life matters, right? And they're just trying to save lives. And, you know, 17 kids died in this tragedy in Florida. Well, let me tell you this. If if they were really, really, really cared about protecting lives of young adults, Michael, do you know how many kids die every day from texting and driving? How many? 11. 11 kids, just six fewer than the number of kids who died in Florida. That's over 4,000 deaths every year because of texting and driving. So if it's lives they care about, how about we move the age to 21 before you can buy a smartphone? Mm. Hmm? You think they'd be for that? Right. Start banning uh, Apple. That's right. Stay away from my <laughs> stay away from my guns and I'll stay away from your iPhone. How's that? Exactly. I agree 100%. You know, you're right. You know, texting while driving. Uh, why don't we go to the car dealership there and, and stand outside the car dealership and protest you know, the car dealerships rather than protest the gun store or gun manufacturer? They don't do any of that stuff, not even for DWIs. Not at all. Someone gets a DWI, what do they do? No, they don't do that. Uh, but when it comes to a firearm, they want to bring blame that tool. And they don't want to blame the, the individual and well, hold them accountable. That's right. And as you and I know, uh, quote unquote, assault style weapons are used in less than 2% of the, of the gun crimes committed every year. But they're going to demonize them because they don't like them. And it's part of a broader agenda. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're a hunter. Absolutely. You, you like going hunting and stuff Absolutely. like that. Uh, what kind of guns do you own? Well, my hunting rifle of choice is a 6.5 Creedmoor that that was custom made from Horizon Firearms out in College Station. Nice. My home defense handgun of choice is a Glock 9mm. Yeah. My concealed <laughs> carry weapon of choice is a SIG 380. Getting hard. My my <laughs> weapon of choice for protecting freedom and liberty is a SIG AR15. Wow. 
Okay, awesome. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what we need uh, as as an executive in the the Texas, you know, in, in the state of Texas here. Running for AG, Trey Blocker, we definitely need someone like that with that integrity who's the lover of the Second Amendment. Not weak at all. Not weak. He doesn't, he doesn't fall back on it, you know, doesn't shiver at all. He stands up strong for the Second Amendment. That's what I'm talking about. You also have a... You have a radio show as well. I do. The Trey Blocker Show. You can find it at TreyBlockerShow.com. You can find it uh, on iTunes, YouTube, or your other favorite podcast app. So, And I appreciate you coming on my show. So I, I'm glad I can now reciprocate. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and so... Tell me a little bit about, uh, more about the AG and what does that office do? A lot of people don't know what the That's AG right. office does. That's right. So the agriculture department is important because it's not just about agriculture. 90% of, it, of its budget has nothing to do with agriculture. If you like to eat, if you like to wear clothes, if you like to put gas in your car, the agriculture department affects your life. And as I mentioned, we have a commissioner who in the past three years has raised over 100 different fees by as much as 600%. And, and anybody who's taken Economics 101 knows uh, when you raise fees and you increase regulation, that ultimately gets passed on to the consumer. So the consumer is suffering under the current commissioners. commissioner. He's grown the bureaucracy. I, I personally don't think that the Department of Agriculture should be regulating gas pumps, mm. should be weighing lottery balls, oh, no. or, or harassing barbecue restaurants, which this uh, commissioner has been doing. So I want to get the Department of Agriculture back to, agricult back to agriculture again, and let's eliminate some of those programs that don't have anything to do with that, and let's shrink the size of government. The, the sad fact is we cannot trust my opponent to govern as a conservative anymore. He likes to campaign as a conservative, and he'll tell you he's for God, guns, and family, yahoo, and wave his cowboy hat around. But then he's gotten into office, and he's raised fees, which as a conservative, a fees attacks. Right. right. It's still money being taken out of my pocket against my will. So he's raised fees. He's grown the bureaucracy. We can't trust him to govern as a conservative anymore, and it's time to send him home. Nice. Yeah, get your hands out of my pockets. That's what we're saying. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, you've done some hunting trips, haven't you? Uh, I've done some great hunting trips. <laughs> a absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's hard what's, hard to break your, them down. Well, what's your your favorite trip? You know, give me uh, your favorite experience. Ah, favorite experience. You know, the great thing about Texas these days is we've got a lot of ranches that uh, that are that have a lot of exotic wildlife on the ranches now. There's a great place out towards Uvalde that has some of the most amazing thing I've ever seen, and it's it's fun when you're out in a blind and there are things passing in front of you that you don't know what it is. <laughs> and, and, and I'd like to say that I know my wildlife, but uh, some of these ranches are pretty amazing. And, and this particular ranch has the largest, and, and I'm not making this up, the largest herd of elk in North America. And this is on a ranch just north of Uvalde, Texas. So that, that was probably one of my most uh, incredible experiences. Now, I will have to admit, the one trip that I haven't done yet it uh, would be a blasting cast down in Argentina where I can actually go hunt some stag and then also do some fly fishing. That That's on my bucket list. 
Nice. I okay. got to get that one done. <laughs> All right. So Jim Phipps, he put your whole little thing there that you want to do in the Texas AG office in our little feed there. He wrote everything. He just copied and pasted <laughs> everything from your, looks like from your from site. From the website? Yeah. And so. the website for anybody else who wants to check out where I stand on the issues is pretty simple. It's treyblocker.com. Okay. So that's right. So if people want to contact you, they can go to your website. They can look at you on Facebook. Absolutely. Uh, so on Facebook, what is it? Good question. It's it's Facebook, I think, backslash tra- or Blocker for Texas. Okay. All right. Blocker for Texas. I know you just type in Trey Blocker, you'll pop up. It should up. come up. It'll right. definitely pop up. Right. And then also, and what's that website one more time? TreyBlocker.com. TreyBlocker.com. Check him out. He's running for Texas AG. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's a love of the Second Amendment. And speaking of that, what is your stance on constitutional carry? You know, I'm all for it. You know, we've kind of slowly progressed over the years. I've heard people criticize Jerry Patterson for passing the concealed handgun law. And and why would you do that when we really need constitutional carry? Well, he was dealing with the politics of the day back in 1995, right? Yeah. So uh, the more we can do to expand the Second Amendment, I'm for it. Uh, At the end of the day, and and I get tired of people saying, well, you don't need an AR-15 for (laughs) for hunting purposes or target shooting. And I actually – Am a, take issue with the National Shooting Sports Foundation calling them sporting rifles uh, because I think that actually plays into the 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 verbiage that the left wants to use because then they want to turn around and say you don't need that for sport you don't need that for target shooting the Second Amendment is not about hunting mm. the Second Amendment is about protecting our freedoms right absolutely and, and I would encourage anybody who 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 wants to see a really good conversation about this. You know, when I founded the Civil Liberties Defense Foundation back in 1999, I did so with Susanna Hupp, former state representative, whose parents were killed in the Luby's massacre in Colleen in 1991. But if you Google or go to YouTube and and search Susanna Hupp, Chuck Schumer, Congress, Mm. there's an amazing video of Chucky Schumer wagging his finger at Susanna Hupp, who was just a private citizen that at that point testifying in front of Congress. And she says to him, the Second Amendment is not about duck hunting. It's not about deer hunting. It's about us, all of us out here. And she's pointing to the crowd behind her, protecting ourselves against all of you up there pointing to all the elected officials on the dais and you could have heard a pin drop in that room but it's a it's a it's a chilling video i encourage everybody to go look it up and take take a look and that's trey blocker he's running for a texas ag trey blocker says he wants to restore honesty integrity and fiscal responsibility to the department of agriculture this is michael cargill and you are listening to come and talk it This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. On air, online, and on your smart device, Talk 1370 is the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. We're, we're back and we're going to be talking with Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Uh, but, you know, the NRA 
out a statement today, and the NRA said, you know what? In a show of political strength, Georgia lawmakers on Thursday overwhelmingly approved the bill that was stripped of an earlier provision granting Delta Airlines a lucrative tax break. And by passing this bill, the lawmakers carried out the threat that Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle, the Republican, made to Atlanta-based Delta earlier this week. If the airline did not restore discounted fares to members of the National Rifle Association, Republicans would strike down a $50 million sales tax exemption on jet fuel from its larger tax cut package. And Delta, which is one of the state's largest employers, would have been the primary beneficiary of the exemption. And Governor Cagle threatened Delta days after it announced it would stop offering discounted fares to NRA members amid the national gun control debate after the daily Valentine's Day shooting in Parkland, Florida. Also, let me go to Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield because I like to ask Edwin, you know, with all this rhetoric we're getting out of D.C., we're getting a lot of anti-gun rhetoric. Uh, they're talking about coming up with this new bill, uh, H.R., God, what is it, H.R. 5087, uh, this new assault weapons ban of 2018, and it's just crazy. They've got everything on the list. Pretty much, if you have a handgun, uh, a, a handgun semi-automatic, and it shoots, it holds over 10 rounds, then it is on this list. We're talking handguns to long guns. This is just crazy, and it has a lot of support. Uh, Edwin, what's your take on this bill? Yeah, this bill is it's a, it's an extremely dangerous bill. Um, but, you know, the, the day it was filed, uh, they had over 160 representatives, all Democrats, immediately sign on to it. Um, and, you know, 160 out of a body of 435 is quite a large group. Um, and, I, of course, I urge everybody to go read it, but just to give you some comparisons. I'm sure that everybody in your audience who's old enough to remember – the assault weapons ban, and I'm, I'm using quotes, believe me, I, I completely know what an assault weapon is and is not. And I'm not saying this in terms of agreeing that what they've described as an assault weapon is one. Uh, but <clears throat> the original 1994 assault weapons ban, uh, keep in mind that it said that an assault weapon is a semi-automatic rifle that has a detachable magazine and one of five other features. And of course, those five features, uh, I'm sorry, and had two of at least two of these, one of these five features, a pistol grip, a flash suppressor, a collapsible uh, stock, a grenade launcher, and a bayonet lug. Um, did I get five? I'm trying to count on my hands just to make sure. <laughs> uh, but, but it had to have two of, it had to have at least two of these, one of these five characteristics, three of which were very easily to, uh, easy for manufacturers to get rid of. One of them was a grenade launcher. Nobody had a grenade launcher anyway. <laughs> one of them was a bayonet lug. Nobody sticks bayonets on their rifles anymore. And one of them was a flash suppressor. And so if people remember, all those rifles that were produced from 94 to 2004, they all had flat-ended barrels. They did not have flash suppressors or threaded barrels. Well, and you had to have at least two of those which means that you did not your rifle was not a, an assault weapon quote unquote until it had basically you got a choice you could either have a pistol grip or you could have a collapsible stock you could not have both that would make it an assault weapon mm. well this i guess they they have learned from the prior law because what's very dangerous is under this definition the new definition in the proposed law 
a, uh, a rifle becomes an assault weapon if it's, uh, you know, if it's uh, a semi-automatic, if it accepts a detachable magazine, and it has one of the following features. Now, they got rid of the bayonet lug because people don't have bayonets. They still have the grenade launcher on there, but check out this list. If your rifle is a semi-automatic rifle, it has a detachable magazine, and it has one of the following, a pistol grip or a forward grip. And it does say forward grip, and it says you can grip it like a pistol. So that means either a vertical grip or, I believe, a 45-degree angled grip would suffice as well. A folding stock, a folding to telescoping or detachable stock, a grenade launcher or rocket launcher, so they've expanded (laughs) that, a barrel shroud, Okay, and they defined as barrel shroud as any device that encompasses the barrel either partially or wholly that prevents somebody from, you know, suffering burns when they hold the barrel, uh, or a threaded barrel. And so now it's not just a flash suppressor, it's a threaded barrel, which means that you can attach anything, including a suppressor, to the end. A semi automatic pistol, okay, so pistol we're talking about is a semi-automatic pistol. If it's semi-automatic, accepts a detachable magazine, which, of course, is every single semi-automatic pistol, at least that I'm aware of. I'm sure there may be some weird Eastern European model that doesn't. Uh, but uh, if it has one of the uh, following five features, a threaded barrel, which means that you cannot have then a tactical pistol that accepts a suppressor, a second pistol grip, which if you have one of those, you've already made it into an AOW, <laughs> uh, a barrel shroud, uh, the capacity to accept a detachable magazine some location outside its pistol grip. So I'm thinking Tech 9 on something like that. Um, and is, uh, and as, or is a semi automatic version of an automatic firearm. So that kind of makes the question, you know, we know that there is a Glock that is fully automatic. If I have the semi automatic Glock, uh, does that now mean that it is from now on a, an assault weapon under that definition? It's like we were pulling the California laws into the entire country. Yes, it would be literally a catastrophe. Now, of course, the anti-gun folks will say, well, you know, and one of their real, one of their rah-rah, we don't, you know, you're you're misinterpreting what we want, uh, is that they always say, nobody's coming after your guns. You know what I'm saying? You know, nobody's coming after your guns. And so they'll say, well, this does contain a grandfather provision. Which it does. It does contain a grandfather provision. So uh, this law would only apply to guns that uh, the, to guns that are manufactured after the day or the day that the law takes effect. However, um, we all know we've all seen this movie before. We right. know how it's going to turn out. And so, if they pass this law, let's imagine a terrible world where they actually pass this draconian law. Uh, the next mass shooting, which you know we we we. We hope that there will never, ever be another mass shooting. However, human history and, unfortunately, the depraved indifference of the human mind tells us that there will, in fact, be another shooting that, the, that, that, that will, cause, you know, will cause enough casualties for at least the anti-gun folks to call it a mass shooting. Of course. Uh, that, that will be done with a, that will be done with a, with a rifle that would have been prohibited under this act but was grandfathered. And then their crying hue will be, we know we passed this law, but it just doesn't do enough. See, it didn't prevent the next one, so now we're just going to make it retroactive and apply to all the guns that are already out there in existence. Mm. 
Mm. So, so th- it, it, this this is a recipe for disaster, and it's just it amazes me how um, you know 160 congressmen and women just could automatically sign up for this uh, this 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 draconian law. And there were four Texans that signed up for that signed up as co-sponsors. Uh, of course, we had Sheila Jackson Lee and Al Green out of Houston. Of course, and and um, oh heck, who were the other two? I think there was one out. Those were since I'm in Houston, I pay more attention to those. Uh, but I believe there's one out of Fort Worth and one out of Dallas. Hmm. Hmm. So it is, it, and not to mention the fact that they have uh, a laundry list of guns that are prohibited by name, um, which is just extraordinary. I mean, think about it. This bill is 144 pages long, Mm. and, uh, you know, they obviously had this bill in the can just waiting, just waiting for the opportunity to exploit a terrible, terrible criminal uh, act, and they did. And they're doing everything. Let's just throw everything in there, including the kitchen sink. Correct. It is. It, it it is. It's 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 really indescribable. Now, okay, this, now this so, monster. Yeah. Hold on, Edwin. This monster. Well, Nicholas... wait, I also. Well, I want. I want to let your. So I just okay, pulled up ahead. the list of co-sponsors, and yes. So it, it's sort of your usual suspects. Uh, Al Green and Sheila Jackson Lee were one of the first to go on, uh, but there, there's of course Lloyd Doggett from mm. right there in your area. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a. Uh, uh, Edie Bernice Johnson, she was the Dallas rep that I was thinking about, and mm-hmm. she's she's like a Sheila Jackson Lee clone. Right. Uh, but then, guess what? It's your you know everybody's favorite Democrat who's running against uh, Ted Cruz, Beto O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. He was also one of the co-sponsors. So, uh, if anybody had any if anybody had any passing thought uh, that uh, that Beto O'Rourke would be an acceptable candidate, um, I, I hope that this would go to dispel that. But you know this is playing to their base, so what are you going to do? Yeah, and, and people, listen, the way th- we all know who this is going to affect. This is going to affect those people that cannot afford an attorney. Um, and when you, you have one of these firearms, you get pulled over by law enforcement, this is going to affect you. It's going to affect you. If you're in Austin, you're in East Austin. It's going to affect you. If you're that person... Um, you're not in, in the upper scale of the community. You're in that lower or middle class of the community. You, you can't afford that attorney uh, to, um, well, one, you should get Texas Law Shield. That's one. Uh, but, but for some reason, you, you don't have an attorney. This is going to affect you. You. Yeah, and also keep in mind, um, you know, as far as, as far as the economics of this, uh, even if they, you know, even if they grandfathered, the, the weapons that are out there right now, um, that is now going and, – and even if they allow them to be transferable, even if they say, you can, you know, we're not going to produce any more guns, but the guns that are out there can be transferable, uh, basically that act of prohibiting uh, new, uh, new guns to enter the market has, has, has limited the supply. And, of course, what happens whenever you have a limited supply? Mm. You know the price is going to go through the roof, exactly. and so this will put this will put guns that are used for self defense out of the reach economically of the people who are most susceptible to suffer at the hands of a criminal. Absolutely. Now let's talk about what this monster actually had. Uh, when Nicholas Cruz walked into that school, first he got there by an Uber, 
<laughs> uh, he actually took all his guns in the Uber. But the re- he let's talk about what did he have? Go ahead. So another thing that this event has kind of brought up into the conversation are the high-capacity magazines. People are saying, oh, what do you need a high-capacity magazine for? And this kid didn't even have those. Isn't that right, Edwin? Oh, that is correct. Well, according to the news reports that I saw, yes, he did not have any. Uh, he did not have any magazines over ten rounds. So he had an he had an AR with ten round magazines. He didn't have the high capacity magazine they're talking about banning. So that portion of it would have done nothing at all. So he actually used. Well, Go ahead. Well, no, no. I was just going to say that, um, and which what I heard, and I, you know, the media, of course, is going to spin it however they want. Correct. Is they said that the high capacity magazines would not fit in his bag. Right. So that's and why he so, chose not to do it. Correct. And so they will spin it as, well, thank God he had a small bag. Otherwise, if he had a larger bag, we would have had high capacity magazines, and that have been just more ammo that he could have carried. I mean, the high capacity magazine argument is ridiculous because it. It doesn't. It doesn't pay attention to the individuality, um, and uh, the thing about it is, is that and, and I, a lot of radio interviews that I did after this occurred, uh, they would always talk about how the AR has got this high rate of fire. Um, they simply did not understand the mechanics of a semi-automatic weapon, in that its rate of fire is totally dependent upon the skill of the operator. And so they kept saying it had this high rate of fire, it has this high rate of fire. And I said, no, it doesn't. It has the exact same rate of fire as anybody else would be able to fire a semi-automatic weapon. So it fires as fast as they could fire a semi-automatic handgun. And in fact, in the event that somebody had two handguns, uh, since a rifle has to take both hands to fire, uh, if somebody's using handguns and they've got two, they've effectively doubled their effective fire rate uh, because they can fire one with each hand. Um, and so, and as we know, you know, let's take the most, you know, the most, you know, the most appreciated venerable handgun available model, the 1911, mm-hmm. um, you know, holds seven round, eight round magazine, uh, the very slender, you can fit a lot of those in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the magazine is actually really slim. Correct. So, you know, however many, however many magazines he fit into his bag, uh, AR magazines, uh, he would have been able to fit at least four uh, uh, 1911 magazines. And, for every and AR honestly, not to teach someone how to actually execute a, a shooting or anything like that, but he used an AR. And when you're shooting multiple rounds out of an AR, that's going to get really hot, and that's why it malfunctioned and it jammed up and locked up on him. So he had to stop using it. But if he used a pistol, a 1911, he would have been able to get more rounds off, exchange those magazines a little faster because a smaller magazine could have kept. He could have had ten of those magazines in his pocket and reloaded, continue to shoot, reloaded, continue to shoot, reloaded, continue to shoot, and been able to shoot more people. Correct. Now, also, um, one of the favorite arguments of the anti-gun folks is that nobody needs a military-style weapon. Why do we have military-style weapons? And of course, they're just ignorant of history and they don't mm. realize that. Virtually every weapon is derived from or is a direct result or a product of some sort of military research. I mean, you know, just speaking about the 1911 alone, the 1911 is a military weapon. It was designed by John Browning at the request of the U.S. Army who said, hey, 
we're having difficulty with our pistol stopping power. Please make us a military gun that we can use. <laughs> and so if they want to use that argument, you know, if, if, if they get to the point where they can argue that the 1911 should be banned, then it's over. There's no hope. You know, the, the Second Amendment and the you know firearms community is is you know there there's no gun that can survive. You know we'll be back in the days of you know revolvers and uh, you know bolt action rifles. Even as the nation was grieving the terrible loss of life in Parkland, Florida, gun control activists were doing what they do best: exploiting tragedy to advance their political agenda. Gun control activists are pushing a message that you are to blame gun owners. You're the blame for the criminal violence that took place last month. They're attempting to capitalize on this tragedy to convince members of Congress to vote for their gun control wish list. Election day is on Tuesday. What are you going to do, gun owners? It's time to trigger that vote. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. This is State Representative Jonathan Stickland, and you are listening to Come and Talk It on Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. That's right. I hope on Wednesday morning I can wake up and say, hey, we got knocked down, but we got back up again, and we brought it home. So hopefully we can get rid of some of these rhinos, uh, these Republicans in name only, and have us some strong candidates going forward into the November election. So let me bring into the conversation Mike Sweeney. He's running for U.S. Congress in District 31. And he has been a hands-on CEO for 24 years. Mike's work experience is vast, from working his way from a tech grunt to owning his own company. Mike worked the issue of tough economic times. He solved problems, has been an employee, and has had employees, and worked with many diverse individuals. So Mike Sweeney, who's running for U.S. Congress, District 31, welcome to come and talk it, sir. Good to be here, Michael. Absolutely. So, Mike, in all this, this what we're hearing out of D.C., because we're sending, you know, we're talking about sending you to Washington, D.C. to represent us. You know, this talk of gun control, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, it's it's a distraction. I, it, it is just deplorable that they are using a, a, an incident such as Florida to try to take the guns away. And that's exactly what it is. And we have to stand up strong. The First Amendment is sacrosanct. Second Amendment is sacrosanct. It protects the First Amendment and it protects all the other amendments out there. And we cannot give ground here. We have to stay the course. We have to keep this away from signature, whatever it takes. All right. And then what's your, what's your thought on constitutional carry? I love it. I love it. I grew up in a time where constitutional carry in my state, I grew up in Idaho, we could carry anywhere we wanted except in a bar. That was the only place you could not carry a gun. Uh, that's changed a little bit, but uh, it was okay then. I don't know why it wouldn't be okay now. All right, all right. And so now tell people about you and why did you decide to run for U.S. congressman? Well, I'm, I'm like a lot of folks out there. I looked around and, and my congressman was talking about being a conservative, but he'd go back to Washington and he would vote complete opposite. His rhetoric didn't match his, his votes. Mm -hmm. And he added a huge amount to the debt. He had about $7 trillion in, in total over a, a six-year period. He uh, 
funded all of the uh, bureaucracies that grew and have come in and taken a lot of our responsibilities away from us and encumbered us. Uh, he voted for sequester. Mm. Cost uh, Colleen, uh, you know, the Fort Hood area, 17,000 17, jobs direct, mm. fifty to 70,000 indirect. A lot of those veterans uh, were out of jobs when uh, he got through with it. Our military has been cut to the bone, and we need to change this. We need to get back to fully funding the military, mm. fully funding our, our defense, and uh, look at the budget from a perspective of how do we make that happen without encumbering our kids coming up. All right. And so what are you going to do differently in D.C. than what your, you know, your opponent's doing? I'm going to stand with the Freedom Caucus. I'm going to stand with Louis Gohmert, Jim Jordan, uh, Ken Buck, the others that are so proudly standing up and saying enough is enough. We need a change. And that change is Mike Sweeney. I'm for term limits. I don't believe that we should go to Congress and live there as a, a career. We should go there as the founders intended us to do, serve and come home, go back to business. Nice. Okay. And then tell me, uh, let's see, what do you, what, what do you think about, uh, let me see, how can I put this to you? Because I'm looking at uh, Jason Vaughn. He's talking about Pulse, South Carolina voted to allow guns in bars if he weren't drinking. That's good, Jason. He talks, uh, Jim Phipps says incumbents are dead meat with my vote. All right, Jim Phipps. I'm curious why you say that, so definitely call in and, and tell me. And by the way, I call his number is 512-643-LIVE. That's 512-643-5483. Um, so tell me, you know, definitely tell me your thoughts about that. But let me ask Mike Sweeney, um, what's your 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 choice of firearm? Well, I have uh, several 9 mils for uh, self-protection. STI, which is actually manufactured in Georgetown. Yeah, I right love here it. in Georgetown. Yeah, yeah STI, a, good gun. Good gun. Uh, six hour, uh, nine mil as well, and I've got a uh, three eighty. Nice. You do any hunting or anything like that? Haven't done any hunting lately. Uh, when I was growing up, I did grow up in Idaho. I got my first uh, rifle when I was six. Wow. And my father was very insistent that I be trained and trained well, and I started my hunting career at that age and uh, have uh, been very comfortable with it ever since. Now, do you think we should get back to having some type of program in schools, uh, maybe high schools or something like that, like a shooting team or something? I think it'd be wonderful. Uh, I think, you know, in, in my day and age when I was growing up, we hunted all the time. We went out in the uh, shooting range. Uh, we went out in the desert and shot. Uh, we had multiple weapons. I had a, a um, M1 and M1A Grand Nice. Uh, we used to get uh, surplus military. I would buy it, at, you know, thousand rounds at a at a whack and go out and enjoy it for a couple days. Uh, I think it's a, a fine way to grow up, and I think there's no reason at all we couldn't enjoy that same ability here in our schools. Allow it under supervision. Get good good training. Get these kids up in understanding what a weapon is and how to use it. Not to be afraid of it. It's not the weapon that kills. It's the individual. And I strongly believe in that, and training goes a long way. Yeah, because people are losing, they're using the tool. Uh, you know, I've seen stats all week long talking about, you know, firearms here, you, you know, people, more people die, and actually more people die from handguns than they do long guns anyway. So I don't know why we're talking about banning long guns. Um, but, you know, all this rhetoric is going on all week long, uh, and they're talking about the tool of the firearm. They're not talking about, you know, like we are talking earlier, uh, they're not talking about an iPhone when someone's texting and driving. They're not talking about the automobile when someone gets the DWI. Uh, but no, they definitely are talking about guns whenever a gun is used. And I just don't understand that. Well, the reality of this situation, it was, it was a failure of government at all levels 
government failed from the FBI, it failed from the local police, it failed from the um, uh, security officer, it failed in the educational system picking up on this kid and his troubles and being able to deal with it. We have a lot of issues out there. Uh, mental health issues can be worked upon. We have security issues that can work upon that. We have laws that are in place that protect uh, children to the extent that they're not known to be uh, disturbed and cannot be treated because they're not allowed to be reported. Uh, we have ways to treat this mal malady, and it does not include taking guns away. That, wow. is a, that is the stupidest thing in the world, and gun-free zones is just an invitation to come shoot me. Oh. I, I truly do not believe in it. Man, Mike Sweeney running for U.S. congressman. Now, I tell you, Mike, I, I'm, I'm, I'm falling in love with you right now. This is awesome. All right, so, uh, so you're saying we need to get rid of these no-gun zones. Exactly. It, it, it's an invitation for trouble, and it does not help. I think the teachers should be armed if they will uh, willfully ask to be armed and have the training to do such. Uh, I'm not suggesting that we put teachers out there and give them weapons and say, go protect. It has to be something that they want to do, they want to participate in. We have to provide the training to ensure that they are well-suited to be a individual with a weapon that is above the grade of a um, concealed carry that they have that training to protect those students and know what they're doing with a weapon. And there's so many other things that we can do also. We can secure the schools. You know how it's hard, difficult for someone to get into a courtroom with a firearm? Oh, yeah. We you have... can't go into a courthouse with a gun. Exactly. So why can we not secure our schools? Exactly. Yeah, and not all teachers want that responsibility, but some do. Some yeah. are ready for that responsibility and want it, you know? We have retired military out there that are well-suited for this. They're coaches, they're math teachers, they're uh, every uh, stripe of, of individual out there that has that background, that training, and willfully would like to protect those students and would do so uh, with uh, no, no regard for themselves. They, they understand the duty. They understand the responsibility. We need to let those people have that capacity. I agree. I'll tell you, uh, Mike Sweeney, definitely remember that name. You need to, uh, Tuesday, that's it. Tuesday is the day we need to go and vote and get rid of some of these incumbents, get rid of some of these, these, some of these rhinos and put some strong conservatives in those places. And Mike Sweeney, I think, is one of those guys. We need to send him to D.C. Uh, get rid of these weeks, you know, these people that are shaking at the knees there. I don't need you stand up for my Second Amendment rights because you're not standing strong right now. I'm hearing too much rhetoric. I'm hearing someone talk about, you know, let's do away with, you know, let's take the guns now and, and worry about due process later. You know, that's just insane to me. That's not some of the things I think we need to do. We don't need to say those things at all. Uh, so definitely let's send a person like Mike Sweeney to D.C. who's going to stand strong for the Second Amendment, who believes that we need to get rid of these no-gun zones. We need to secure our schools just like we, we secure the, you know, the courthouse. You can't get into a courthouse carrying a gun for no, nothing in the world. So there's no reason why we can't use technology, the technology we have today, and secure those schools. You do it for a courthouse, let's do it for our schools. Let's do it for the babies. Let's do it for the kids. Let's stop blaming the tools that are the problem because there are so many different ways a person can do what they did. Timothy McVeigh killed 168 people. He wounded 680, and he used a bomb. Let's stop talking about the tools. These monsters are monsters. They're going to do what they want to do to kill as many people as they can kill. This guy is a strict monster who, go, who goes into a school, pulls the fire alarm so they can have more people in the hallway to execute this, you know, this guy's a monster. You can't legislate crazy. 
What we can do, though, is on Tuesday, go to the polls and vote for a person like Mike Sweeney and send him to D.C. uh, for District 31 for U.S. Congress. Mike, how can we find your website? You can find us at MikeSweeneyForCongress.com. Again, Mike, S-W-E-E-N-E-Y for Congress.com. Awesome. And then you're also on Facebook and all that stuff We're on Facebook, same same address. And it's Mike Sweeney and the number four... Congress. That's correct. Awesome. Definitely. Check that out. Mike Sweeney for U.S. Congress District 31. All right. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about we're going to talk with Edwin Walker a little more because I want to get into, uh, you know, Dick Sporting Goods, you know, because I don't know. Dick Sporting Goods, they're getting a little soft when it comes to Second Amendment. So we're going to talk about that. We come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so they got to play some music to calm me down a little bit, you know, because I tell you, throughout the week, you know, I get these little private messages from people because you got to understand, folks, I'm a one-issue person. I'm here to stand up for the Second Amendment. And I don't care what political party you're in. If you stand up and you say something against the Second Amendment, you say something that's anti-gun, I'm going to say something to you about it. I'm going to call you on the carpet. I don't care if you're a libertarian. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Green Party uh, individual. I'm going to call you out because that is my issue. I am pro-Second Amendment. And if you say something against that, I'm calling you out on it. And I tell you... You know, even this week, you know, I always get people in all different parties that are upset with me about something. And, you know, the libertarians, are, you know, they were, were happy last week and now some people are upset this week. Well, I upset. Yeah, uh, there's a, just a little bit of a, a controversy that's stirred up now because uh, we've invited you to speak at our, our state convention, um, which has caused some people within the, the Libertarian Party to be a little upset because you're, <laughs> uh, you know, a log cabin Republican and yada, 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 um, which I mean. And, and I, I like to remind them uh, Ron Paul was a Republican. Yes. And, you know, the Libertarians love Ron Paul. I, I mean, he brought a ton of people over to the movement in general and then to the Libertarian Party as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And I've said it before on this show that I'm less concerned with the letter that's going to be next to somebody's name and whether or not you're fighting for liberty, whether or not you're fighting to make me more free uh, than I was beforehand. And speaking as the chair of the Travis County Libertarian Party, I know firsthand that you've supported efforts that we've made. We've been able to work together. You have us on the show. Donate money to the the state party. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's to me, it's just ridiculous and just people wanting to bicker online because people love to bicker online. But, you know, I would I fully support you speaking 
at our state convention because you've been fully supportive of us here locally in Austin, and I can speak to that firsthand. I've, I've worked with you on stuff. And, I, and what kills me is I get called some nasty names more by Democrats than anything in the world. This week, I swear, I had at least five people who associate themselves with the Democrat Party call me the C-O-O-N word. You have to think about that. C-O-O-N. They call me that. You know, who, who does that? Who says something like that? You know, all because I stand up for the Second Amendment. You know, and, and you have to think about that. Think about where where did gun control actually come from? Use your head, people. Where did gun control initially come from? Well, you know, we're talking back in the 1800s, 1700s. Uh, we're talking uh, no guns for Negroes, where the free slaves could not have access to firearms. That's where gun control initially started. That's what this is all about for me. So, you know, if you don't understand that, then you need to get in touch with history. Go read a book. That's what you need to do. Go read a book and get off Facebook because you're definitely not educated at all. All right. So let's let me go back to Evan Walker. I'm going to get that off my chest there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go back to Evan Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Edwin, I had a couple of questions for you because um, yes, sir. this week, uh, Dick Sporting Goods, they sent uh, they went, you know, they sent a clear message that they're really not stand up for the Second Amendment. And that's really disheartening because they are a, a shooting sports company, a sporting company, sporting goods. And they decided to prohibit 18 to 20-year-olds from purchasing firearms. So my question to you is, you know, are 18 to 20-year-olds a protected class? Well, under the public accommodations law, uh, federal law, um, commonly known as Title II of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, no, uh, Age is not a protected class. Um, there are then separate laws under the fed, under federal law that protect certain age. Uh, there are age is a protected class with regard to employment um, over a certain age, but not under a certain age. Uh, so no, there's no federal remedy available for anybody who believes that they have been discriminated against in a commercial action because of their age. Uh, however, I will say, and this is this is sort of where the irony lies is that in many states that do try to create um, dozens of, of protected classes, uh, and these are all in your more left-wing liberal states, uh, their state legislators love to create protected classes. And there are many states like California and Oregon and New York uh, that do have age as a protected class in public accommodations. And so far as I know, they have not exempted out commercial sales of firearms from these uh, public accommodations. And so it'll be really interesting to see if a a civil rights lawsuit gets brought under the civil rights laws of one of these very liberal states. Um, I would think that since this is a legislative created right, it's not a constitutional right, it's a statutory right. And since it's a right that's wholly a product of statute, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if the legislatures in these particular states immediately run to amend their anti-discrimination laws to say that there's no cause of action for discrimination based upon the selling of a firearm. Mm. Okay. Now, what about Uber? Because Uber gave this guy this monster mm-hmm. a ride uh, to the school on, on Valentine's Day, February 14th. So some someone asked me, you know, can we blame uber in its role for this tragedy and hold them liable somehow well you know that is an interesting question and you know there's a lot of uh there's a lot of personal injury law that tries to parse out responsibility for a tragedy to anybody who uh who acted in a way where it would have been foreseeable 
or that they neglected to have a standard of care uh, that ultimately caused an injury. And so in order for that to happen, you would have to show that uh, that the Uber driver was an employee of Uber, not an independent contractor. And so as an, as an employee of Uber, they had to adhere to Uber standards. Now, Uber has very famously said that they don't want any firearms in their vehicles. So I'm sure that that's going to be their official position, right. that, that this Uber driver, there was no way that they could have known that they had that that he of course was going to carry out this criminal act uh now you say well was it obvious you know should did they know or should they have known that he was transporting a gun and i believe that he told the uber driver that he was carrying a large case uh that had a musical instrument in it and he was going to music practice so I guess it's like the old, um, you know, gangsters carrying their Tommy guns in violin cases. So he had a gun. It was in a case that he said was a musical instrument. So she claims that she had no idea. Uh, the Uber driver claims that they had, she had no idea that it was a that was a firearm. And and you know, I, I'm sure that that she is you know terribly racked with guilt, thinking that she may have had a role in this. But uh, clearly, I, I think that it would be a not a not a role that would have any potential liability. Oh, well, I I would just uh, like to speak on this because I have driven uh, as a Lyft and Uber driver, and uh, I know personally, it's if somebody's getting in the the car with a bag, I'm not concerned with it. Uh, I'm trying to get them to their destination as quickly as possible to move on to the next ride because that's how you make money while you're doing it. You don't get money for time; you you make money by getting the miles done and getting to the next ride. So, uh, especially if he were to say, oh. I'm going to music practice. You're going to a high school. There's no reason that the sense. driver would wouldn't would think anything other than that that he's being completely honest and uh, there should be no liability whatsoever on on the driver. This that that's an absolutely ridiculous idea. Yeah, I, I agree because we and we need to remain consistent. You know, we're not going to hold <clears throat> the gun store responsible. You know, because this person walked into a gun store and purchased a firearm and passed a background check. There's no reason why you should hold the gun store responsible. So why should you hold the Uber driver responsible? So or Uber. So, yeah, and, you know. and if you yes, and if you begin to say that the you know that, that the driver would have responsibility to basically interrogate their uh, passenger uh, and or be suspicious of every passenger. Now, of course, I I'm not talking about you know don't. I still believe in you know if you see something, say something. If right. out you know out and out a dangerous or criminal uh, event. Uh, but if you began having Uber drivers uh, avoiding people or questioning people who had, you know, who were going to, you know, destinations that they would, you know, nor normally otherwise go to and had packages, I mean, that's just opening up Pandora's box. Right. So what are your what are your thoughts on, OK, the just how all this played out? Because the school should hold some type of some responsibility for not putting this person in the system. They expelled him. He was uh, he was, uh, you know, kicked out of school and he wasn't allowed to come on campus with a backpack. That says something. And what about the sheriff's department, Broward County Sheriff's Department? Uh, you know, someone you know, his house, the home was visited, what, 39 times. And some of those were most. Well, not most of those were for him. Some of those were for him. Some we can't figure it out. But there were 39 visits to the home. You know, there should have been at some point he should have been put in the system. The FBI dropped the ball. You know, two people called the FBI and say, look, this guy's saying, you know, making terroristic threats, you know, on social media. Something needs to be done. So, uh, you know, 
you know, what, what's your thought yeah. about, you know, that stuff, Edwin? No, you're absolutely right. And obviously that is where the scrutiny needs to lie is that the media, um, you know, the media and of course, you know, the law enforcement officials, they need to take a look at where was the breakdown with regard to this specific individual. And that's what's so utterly frustrating about something like this, 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 uh, this particular incident is that, um, you know, they want to blame the gun. So they want to take, you know, one out of, you know, 30 million firearms, um, you know, that's such a, that's such a, a statistical, a statistically insignificant number of firearms that are used in, you know, criminal acts and a, a statistically insignificant number of gun owners that are involved in criminal acts. And yet they want to use those. This is the uh, catalyst to abrogate all of our rights, all of the millions and millions and millions of guns and gun owners uh, that exist peacefully and legally day after day after day, and they want to ab- just throw all those rights out the window based upon the bad behavior of an individual, one individual at one gun, uh, instead of looking at people who, you know, whenever you say, instead of saying what law could we have passed that would prevent this, how about saying what person or, or, or entity was there that didn't prevent this? Mm. Yeah, because even students uh, that were in the that were on Instagram in the in the conversation with him or Twitter or whatever on social media, you know, some of those people that did nothing, you know, should you know, I know they have to feel something because you he said those words. He said he wanted to you know execute a school shooting and you did nothing to tell someone. Uh, so you know, people like that, you have some type of responsibility. And I don't know what creating what new law would have stopped that because if if the parents, the guardian of this individual knew that he was a problem, then, you know, they should have done something. Um, and the, and the, well, the thing about it is Florida law already has a remedy. This person could have been stopped under existing Florida law, which is there's a, well, which is in the Florida mental health code, but it's also in their weapons code in uh, chapter seven ninety point oh six one. Um, there's a law that allows that would have allowed somebody to notice that he had, you know, that he had the potential to do this and get a mental health warrant for a mental health examination that also would have allowed them to collect all of his weapons. So you mean to tell me there's so, something already on the books right now in Florida? Yes. Is, are we talking about the Baker Act? Correct. Okay. 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 So what, what exactly is the Baker Act? Well, the Baker Act is a law that says that if somebody has a reasonable belief that they're going to do harm to themselves or others, it allows the authorities to step in and begin a mental evaluation. Hmm. So, so what? What new are they trying to do? You know, because I don't. I'm I'm confused now because uh, if the the sheriff's department didn't do anything, the Broward County Sheriff's Department, if his guardians didn't do anything, if the school who had the power to do something didn't do anything, that school resource officer didn't do anything. So, what new law are we going to add if there's already something that we could have used? You know, it's the old argument, and, you know, and of course the anti-gun folks play it off as, you know, that's cliche, and you're just spouting talking points, and that's not really reasonable. But it goes back to the saying that we don't need new laws, we just need the current laws enforced. Mm. Mm. Well, I think this is probably the most infuriating thing about the argument that's occurred in the wake of all this. It was an abject failure on every level of government, as we've been discussing, and... 
yet the 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 left and, and gun control advocates are saying, well, no, we, we need to take the guns away because the government is there to protect us and that's what they exist for. They weren't able to protect these 17 lives when they knew about this person. So now why am I expected to give up my right to self-defense and my right to own weapons in which to defend myself, my loved ones, and my property and trust the government to do so when they abjectly failed at it with a, 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 multiple, a multitude of knowledge, a multitude of people telling them that this was a problem, visiting that house as many times as they did. I, I, I just can't understand the, the argument that, that they are somehow going to be able to better protect us than we will protect ourselves. And again, as, as it goes to as we were talking about, it, it's a tiny fraction of gun owners uh, or people with guns that we're talking about here. And the, the ma vast majority of them are peaceful, responsible gun owners. Okay. It's basically saying that, hey, government failed us, so we need more government now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm personally just really tired of people using their emotions to legislate mm. rather than their brains. Let's read the Constitution. Let's look at what's going on. Let's stop using a tragedy to create new laws. Let's look at what we have, enforce what we have, and stop using tragedy and the death of Americans to move forward a political agenda. If it's really that big of an issue, then we need to be talking about it all the time. It mm. needs to be in the forefront of our minds all the time, and we need to be legislating with their brains and via the Constitution and stop using passion to get all these people riled up when they don't truly understand the issue or the fact that we already have these laws in place, but the government is incapable or unwilling to enforce them. And if they're unwilling to enforce them, then that's where you get out and vote. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, and maybe, you know, maybe if the FBI wasn't uh, carrying out, you know, investigations about uh, possible Russia meddling, or maybe if they weren't uh, participating in the abject failure of the drug war and chasing people down for plants, maybe they would have had time to look into this. So there, there's so many facets and levels to this that there's no one-stop fix for what's going on there's it needs to be addressed on so many different levels of of what's going on here and just blanketing banning a, a type of weapon isn't going to solve anything it's like ronald reagan said the scariest words ever spoken is hi i'm from the government and i'm here to help <laughs> the government is the problem the government is the problem and if we don't work together as citizens and as it's our civil duty to be involved it's it's our right to be part of this conversation. And politicians need to listen, and we need to enforce the laws we already have. And I'm, I'm honestly just sick and tired of people using tragedy to push a political agenda. Yes, and, 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 and I, I, I agree entirely, and I'm glad that, that, um, that you brought up that point, is that, um, and of course, you know, the anti-gun folks, they always say, whatever, anytime you say, it's, you know, we can't talk about it in the wake of a tragedy. It's too soon to talk about it. They go, well, when are you going to talk about it? And then, but this is the thing that our founding fathers warned us about. The founding fathers warned us that we should not be susceptible to emotion and mob rule, and that's going to make bad legislation. Mm. I mean, you know, I'm an attorney. I spend my, you know, I, I work in the courtroom. I try cases. And one of the very first instructions that a jury is told when they are deciding a case is that they are they are explicitly told by the judge that they are not to let emotion enter into their deliberations because you know passing judgment on cases and passing legislation needs to be done with you know objective rational thought you cannot bring emotion into it because you're going to get bad judgments and you're going to get bad legislation hmm. yeah you're you're definitely spot on and and 
you know, and what? let's talk about the backlash. This backlash of all these companies that are coming out and talking about, you know, they're going to cut their ties with the NRA. You know, what are you guys' thoughts on that? You know, all these different companies are saying, you know what, I'm done with the NRA. We're not we're going to we're going to cancel our insurance. We're not going to give those discounts and all that stuff. Uh, well, I think the funniest thing about the uh, the Delta thing is uh, I believe the number is 11 people that have used that discount. <laughs> um, so really? Uh, yeah, I, I'd have to double. It's like 11 to 13. One of the, wow. in that number. Uh, but I mean, as a libertarian, uh, you're a private business. However you want to operate and conduct yourself, you're well within your right to. Uh, I think it's a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, you're going to be alienating a significant portion of the population who define themselves as either NRA members or supportive of the NRA. Uh, so you risk losing business in that regard. But uh, I mean, that, that's your choice if you want to do that as a business. I probably won't uh, you know, come to your store. And then what about young Republicans? So I can speak on behalf of myself. I won't... <laughs> I won't go on record as speaking for the young Republican just because that's not what I do for them. I just push, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say no. Um, I mean, again, if you're a private business, you are willing, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. I now will not shop at Dick's Sporting Goods or Walmart. Well, I mean, I never went to Walmart anyway, but <laughs> I mean, but that's what a free market society is. You have the right as a private business to do whatever the hell you want to do. That's fine. If I don't like what you're doing, I don't have to go there. And that is how you make a difference. And if they get enough economic pushback, if their profits go down, then they do one of two things. They reevaluate their political position or they go under <laughs> or they or they lose profit if it's not to the point of, you know, going out of business. But it's not the government's job to regulate that. And if they're not going to support the NRA, fine. Then you weren't strong enough on the Second Amendment anyway, and now you're making room for stronger people to get involved. If you are going to waver, we don't need you. Mm. Bye. And I think some people just, they're attracted to it. They're, I think it just turns them on because I, I had someone say to me yesterday, you know, you have a great LTC class. I love your LTC class. You know, I, I took today, but I hate the stuff that you post online. <laughs> it's like, I think it's, I, I, I think it, it, they're attracted to it. I really do. People are just bored. <laughs> they, they just latch onto something and they make it a big deal. You can't support the Second Amendment and then not support the First Amendment. Yeah, they you can't pick and choose your amendments. They won't unfriend you. <laughs> That's fine. Bye. They'll just yeah. follow. Just unfollow me. I don't care. They won't, un <laughs> they won't unfollow. They'll follow you and just make comments. So that they can complain. Right. Get a hobby. Well, now all that dick business gets to come your way, Michael. So oh, yeah. that'll help you out, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They're supporting small business uh, for the first time ever, the far left. So there, yeah. there you go. And, and so for those people that don't know what we're talking about, what we're saying is uh, in a show on political strength, uh, Georgia lawmakers, what they did this week, uh, they actually overwhelmingly approved the bill that would strip uh, the actual Delta from some tax breaks. So Delta's not going to get these tax breaks they were, they were supposed to get. By passing this bill, lawmakers carried out the threat that Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle, a Republican, made, a, made to Atlanta-based Delta earlier this week. He said that hey, if the airline did not restore discounted fares to members of the National Rifle Association, Republicans would strike down a $50 million sales tax exemption. Now, how many people you said took advantage of the Delta? I believe the number was 11. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to those. I know it's it's somewhere in the range of like 11 to 13. I can't remember the exact number. Oh, I believe it was 11. So someone's got to divide 50 million divided by 11. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's it's that's insane to me. So fifty million dollars this is going to cost them on jet fuel from its larger tax cut package. Delta, which is one of the state's largest employers, would have been the primary beneficiary to the exemption. And Cagle, Governor Cagle said, "Hey, you know Delta." Days after it announced they were going to do this, it says stop. Uh, they stop offering the discount fares to NRA members. He said he was going to, you know, get this done, and he got it done. And so now, you know, they're sitting back and they're they're you know they're having to pay that extra fifty million dollars. And that and that's the thing too when it comes to you know to to talking about this uh, specifically in in your freedom of uh, choice and freedom as a, a private company to act in a certain way. That's not freedom from consequence mm. or freedom from responsibility. So if you choose to do something like this and, you know, a state legislator acts in this way, this is that's the price of doing business. That's the price of making that decision that you made. So, uh, you know, it, it's freedom of choice, freedom of speech, freedom of association, not freedom from <laughs> responsibility or consequences. Mm. There's still that. Nice. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people on the left want the freedom of choice, but not the freedom from the consequences. And you have to have one with the other. They don't come separately. And Edwin, what are your thoughts? Well, I you know, I don't know that I. It's a very complex issue. Whenever you get the government involved, <laughs> obviously nobody's nobody's entitled to a tax break. A tax break does seem to be a privilege. Um, but, you know, is there going to be, you know, if governments start taking it upon themselves to try to punish and or reward companies for their opinions on social policy, um, you know, is that something that in the broad scheme of things we want government having the power to do? Yeah, they need to get out of that business. Yeah, I mean, I would so, rather nobody pay taxes, so. <laughs> right. So, so that's the thing about, you know, everybody, you know, we love tax breaks and, uh, and everybody, you know, you're not entitled to a tax break, but then again, you, the government shouldn't be taking, you shouldn't be taxing things, uh, you know, that they really don't have authority or, or issuing punitive taxes, um, you know, like, uh, you know, taxes on sodas and junk food. So taxing policy, using taxing policy to shape, uh, to shape social issues always has not really set well with me. All right, man. Thank you, Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. If you don't have Law Shield, you might want to get it. If you're carrying a gun, you have your license, you don't have a license, but you're carrying a firearm, you know, you definitely should get Texas Law Shield. Even if you're not carrying a firearm, do you know if you use your fist? Texas Law Shield will defend you, so you definitely might want to get Texas Law Shield. Thank you, Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, you had an announcement you wanted to make, Felicia. Yes. So the Hill Country Young Republicans are officially moving their meeting place to Austin to engage the youth. Um, registered Republican voters anywhere between the age of 18 and 40 are welcome to join us. We're going to meet me. We're going to be meeting at Central Texas Gunworks on the fourth Thursday of every month. So you guys can go to our Facebook page and sign up for emails, and I'll send you that information. All right. Awesome. That, that was a good conversation. I want to thank you guys for listening today. Thank everyone uh, who's on Facebook and everyone who's driving on I-35 stuck in traffic or sitting on Slowpack. So appreciate you. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. My
keep your change. Hello, this is Gerald Darty, and I'm the Precinct 3 County Commissioner here in Travis County, and you're listening to Common Talking. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.